Hey friends, well, after a long and for many of you cold winter, are you ready to bring the spirit of the islands into your home? Look no further than Home Threads, where comfort meets coastal living. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a collection inspired by the tranquility of the beach. From breezy linens to stylish coastal decor, they've got everything you need to turn your home into a seaside retreat, and always at the best value. If you haven't been to the Home Threads website yet, you have to go check it out, see their beautiful bedding, everything they have for your kitchen, lighting, workspace, and a gift guide, which has something for everyone on your list. I'm thinking ahead to Mother's Day, Father's Day, anniversaries, birthdays, and more. So visit homethreads.com forward slash Monica and get a code for 15% off your first order. Because whether you're on the islands or dreaming of the sea, Home Threads brings the beach to you. Home Threads, love where you live. Christian Parenting Aloha friends, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast, powered by Christian Parenting. I am Monica Swanson, mom to four boys, podcast host and author of Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. Here on the podcast, it's my goal to bring you practical advice and biblical wisdom for raising boys in this sometimes crazy world. You can always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Brokenness is beautiful to me. And it is what your children need, your boys need to know their place in the world. Their legacy of faith is not based on your perfect past, Bonnie. Your legacy of faith is based on who loves you. And that's me. You are my adopted daughter. Hey, friends, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here to hang out with me today. And I'm so excited to share my new friend, Bonnie Gray, with all of you. I fell in love with Bonnie while I was reading her book over the holidays, Sweet Like Jasmine, Finding Identity in a Culture of Loneliness. And I just want to pause right here and ask, have any of you ever felt lonely before? (laughs) I know I have. Whether struggling to fit into a neighborhood or a church or a family or a culture, we have all felt lonely at least once or 200 times, right? Well, Bonnie writes about it so beautifully in her story of growing up in Chinatown, San Francisco, the daughter of a mail-order bride. And her story is radical. There are so many just really hard moments, but also such beautiful writing. Uh, And today we get to talk to her and she gets to share some of her story, but also she's sharing with us about raising her two boys now, not too far from where she grew up and helping them find their identity in such a challenging time in this world. Um, We're going to touch on some of the cultural issues of being an American Chinese woman raising these two boys. And uh, just her whole life story is going to grip you. I know you're going to enjoy her. She's a ton of fun. She has a beautiful heart. She's got a podcast and other books too. So if you haven't already heard of Bonnie, I think you're going to want to follow her now. So without further ado, I just want to dive in and share this conversation. If you're out walking or driving, I hope you enjoy. If you can sit back and pour some tea or coffee, hope you feel like you're hanging out with Bonnie and I. Enjoy. Bonnie, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast. 
Monica, this is great. I can't wait to get into it with you. I know. I'm so excited. Just in talking to you before we hit record, we're both all pumped up here. Well, to start with, you are a boy mom. So tell us how old are your sons, maybe a little bit about them, one of your favorite things about being a boy mom, and then we're going to dive in more. Oh, that's what I was really looking forward to this uh, podcast and talking with you because I love being a boy mom. I have two boys and I named them Josh and Caleb. Oh, wow. After the two spies, <laughs> yeah, that made it to love the consent. So when I first had my uh, first child, you know, Josh was a boy, and then we decided we want a second one. I immediately started praying, God, please, if I uh, have a choice in this, please make it a boy. <laughs> Obviously, I'll love the daughter you give me, but if if this is one of those where I get to choose, please give me a boy, and I want to name we, my husband, I want to name him Caleb. So we it. were praying from the very beginning, and then Josh, he was I still remember he was only two because most of my friends already had um, the second sibling, you know, pretty mm-hmm. close. They everybody yeah. was shooting for two years apart, but that wasn't yeah. me. Like right. I wanted my That's first okay. child to be able to sit up, eat on his own. <laughs> You know, go to the potty by himself. Yeah, like, that was I get it. it. I get exactly. It. So I was not in a hurry. But my son, um, Josh, he saw all these other um, of his little, you know, toddler friends had siblings. So he's like, Mom, I want a baby brother. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, well, you have to ask God because he's the one that's going to send this baby. Mm-hmm. So pray, okay? Yeah. Um. So there he was. We just took off our shoes at the bottom of our step. I still remember it. And then this cute little Josh, he folded his hands and he prayed. He said, Jesus, I want a baby brother, please. Oh, In so Jesus' name, sweet. amen. I know. So he said, well, then we're going to get it, right? We're going to get a little brother. I said, well, you know, God knows best, but definitely it's good that we ask. So let's just yes. see. Yes. Yes. And so they it. are three and a half. Yes. Three and oh. a half years apart. They're now, I always have to count, they're 12 and 16. So in just a few months. Caleb will be 13. Two teenagers in yes. the house. <laughs> yes. I, I actually love that? the teenage years. Oh, I, I I know I I love the teenage years. Like I'm more of a teenage mm-hmm. boy mom. Me, me too. You too? Yeah. Yeah. It's my favorite. So I love it. I say it's the reward for all those other years. So work hard in the early years, enjoy the teenage years. And now I've got the young adult years and I'm telling you, it's pretty sweet. So you're going to love it. (laughs) Okay. I could tell we would be totally good friends if you lived here in California. I'm here in the Bay Area because that's how I feel. Working so hard on all the physical aspects of being a mom exhaustion Mm -hmm. and also those repetitive things like... We have to teach them over and over again. And And then this, after this, you know, first 10 to 12 years, exactly. This is where we reap the harvest and I'm enjoying. And maybe a lot of it because, um, Monica, I was involved in youth ministry Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. I was single. So I love the teenagers and it's really connected to my own story because those were the hardest time in my life. Mm When I was a teenager and I felt alone, my mom was a single mom. She was a teenage mom when she had me. Um, My father left when I was seven and he never came back for me. Um, You know, I would check my mailbox every time it was my birthday, every year, Christmas, nothing. And then I still remember even in my high school graduation when I stepped off the platform, I was thinking, oh, it's like an after-school special. Maybe some old man will come up 
maybe my mom, my mom was not a loving mom. She's, she was very emotionally, verbally abusive. And I thought maybe she kept him away. Maybe, you know, like a movie, he'll come and say, mom, your mom kept her, me away. And I'm here now, but no, no storybook ending. So for me, the teenage years were so important. The people that like spent time with me, mentored me, you know, all the people in youth ministry. So for me, that's like my sweet spot, Uh, like hanging out, uh, doing things together and just being there for them. And yeah. And giving your boys what you didn't have and the father and mother that you didn't have. So yes. Yes. Mm. So I love the teenagers because it's so much we're doing, right? Because when they're little, you're kind of limited what they can do, their attention span, you know, little, little people, you know, but now it's like they're teenagers. We can actually do stuff and have fun together. And yes, you know, so it's really active and being a boy mom is perfect because there's so much you can do. And that's how there boys is. bond best, right? You do stuff together. That's right. And then- do, doing stuff. hundred percent. Well, Bonnie, I have so enjoyed reading your book, Sweet Like Jasmine, your story, which you just gave a little hint to some of uh, just there. Um, Sweet Like Jasmine, Finding Identity in a Culture of Loneliness. I'm just going to tell you that... Um, I read a lot of books. I read a lot of uh, nonfiction and like parenting and and books that help me grow. And I love those. They inspire me. But I think I decided it it actually has taken me a long time, but I think it was while I was reading your book that I was like, you know what? In this season, I think my favorite thing to do is to read true stories, to read memoirs and biographies. And reading your story was such a, it was like, I took it on vacation with us over the holidays and it felt like a little vacation each time I sat down. It was like this little escape where I went with you into Chinatown. I mean, really, I want now I want to take a trip to Chinatown because I just want to go explore your San Francisco Chinatown. But um, like I said before we hit record, I feel like I know you. I feel like we are kindred spirits. I love your writing. You are an absolutely beautiful writer. And I just feel like I went on a journey with you. And what I love too is that each chapter, as much as this was your story, you also turn it. And at the end of each chapter, there's reflection questions and things that really speak to us as readers, to our hearts. And so uh, I wanted to have you on the podcast for so many reasons. And one thing, I I mean, I just want to talk about your book because I love it. And I want to encourage everyone listening to read it. But I'm also, as I told you, really trying to make sure that this podcast addresses boy moms and gives boy moms something to really take home and apply right away to help them be better moms. And so we're going to focus our conversation a bit on our boys. And obviously you love raising your boys, but um, I'm just going to say, love your story, love your writing. And so I, I hope everyone can read your book. But before we dive in and kind of dig into the topics in the book and how it relates to being a boy mom, can you tell us a little more about like what you do? We know you've got two boys, but where are you? And just give us your background. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was born in San Francisco, Chinatown. Um, just like you said, my mother was a mail order bride. Mm-hmm. She didn't know my father. So my story began in a way that was just, um, in, to me, it felt embarrassing and I could never share it. Mm-hmm. I could never share like this background about my story because my mom was a teenage mom. She didn't know my father. They didn't love each other. Um, they're arguing all the time. And especially in Christian circles, there's nothing redemptive I can share with you about that. 
they never got back together. They got divorced. And so that was a story that I just kind of hid about myself. And I just, at the early part of my life, I used my faith to overcome meaning help me to be positive, help me to love others, help me to get out of, you know, below, out of below the poverty line, um, help me to just write a new story. So I felt always that my faith was helping me to be strong. Mm. So when I became a mom, I really felt like I, by God's grace, made it across the finish line, meaning, yeah. okay, I put myself through school. Um, I followed Jesus. I was a Bible teacher. I graduated from college. I was self-sufficient. And now finally I you know, met somebody to fall in love with. And we have two boys. And I kind of felt like I have made it through my childhood. Let's start over. But that's actually when um, I became an accidental author. I started writing my stories on the blog mm-hmm. and um, just to have a non-mom outlet. Mm-hmm. And because I got married later in my 30s. I didn't fall in love until my 30s. I was late for everything, late having children, late getting married. (laughs) Yeah. I get that. And so I became an accidental author. And then um, that's when I started having panic attacks, which eventually led me to a ministry that I do now as a podcaster for Breathe, the Stressless Podcast, where I talk about wellness and prioritizing um, wellness because I never prioritized my own needs. That just wasn't part of my vocabulary. So. That's what I do now. Now I write books and I, I'm a podcaster to help women like me who need to hear that you're worthy to take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And can you tell us the um, names of the books you've written? The previous books. <laughs> I know. I'm so into talking about boy mom. Uh, it's called, <laughs> the first book I wrote was about the panic attacks I started to experience when I became a mom. I never right. had a panic attack before ever. Okay. I'm the kind of girl that snowboards, double black diamonds. I was very active. I was telling you, I've been to youth ministry. So you do a lot of active things, you know, doing youth ministry. I was fearless, quote unquote, but um, I started having panic attacks. So my first book is about my healing journey. Like, why did I have panic attacks? And I realized I had childhood trauma. Right. Yes. Which I didn't know anything about. So yes, I can be physically strong and independent, but God was saying, Bonnie, I see those moments you struggle with anxiety. Right. I see you struggle with feeling lonely. Mm. I feel, I feel that, you know, you need to know more than just being strong. You need to know that you can be loved. So the first book is about finding spiritual white space. It's called finding spiritual white space. It's about making space for you. And that comes from a term, which is about art in art on a canvas the more white space there is on a canvas, the more beautiful a painting is. And I was the opposite. I was the kind of person that just was filling my life, making sure I was taking care of everybody, doing mm-hmm. what I felt I needed. I didn't want to disappoint anybody. My yeah. greatest fear was somebody being unhappy with me. Sure. Oh, so many of us relate. Keep going. <laughs> so that was my first book, um, how, how I was shocked into getting panic attacks. I didn't know. And the second was called Whispers of Rest. And that's what I was referring to. Like I had to learn like a baby at the age of 42. Mm. What does it mean to take care of my mental health and my well-being? Mm-hmm. And that was actually a very scary journey for me because that meant I had to stop doing a lot of things that were done out of guilt. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. because I was afraid what people would think of me because I was afraid of missing out on, I guess, being in part of the in-group at church. Sure. Among other women, I want, you know, I grew up without much of an identity. Right. Because, you know, my original story was so broken. So I, I just tried to look around me. Well, what do other women talk about? Mm. What do other moms do? Yeah. Um, you know, and I just, it's not that I was fake. It was more like, I just want, I thought it meant, you know, how can I belong? How can I talk about what other people talk about? Sure. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure many people listening are resonating with what you're saying. This is, I think, not uncommon at all, um, whatever your background might be. But but I'd love for you to share a little bit about how your kind of search for identity led you back to Chinatown. Can you give us just that little look? Because that's just such an interesting story and something I think we can all learn from too. Yeah, you're really great conversationalist. I could tell you're a really good <laughs> girlfriend because it, it's like you're totally following like where I'm at right now because so a few years ago, after I healed from the anxiety and the depression and the, you know, anxiety and panic attacks, like I was sharing with Whispers of Rest, that was my second book, which started my podcast on soul care, Breathe, the Stressless Podcast. You know, even at that point, I thought, okay, well, good. Now I learn about soul care. I'm even speaking now. I'm writing books. And God said, um, well, um, I need you. And this is after I, you know, had my two boys. God suddenly had this thought, gave me, he said, well, are you ever going to tell your kids where your father is? I never realized one day my kids are going to grow up. They're going to ask me, where is grandpa? And I realized I have no idea where my dad is. So I realized I needed to go find my father. So I needed to go back to Chinatown because I left Chinatown. Once I got married, I married a Caucasian he was born in on, um, you know, a lumber mill in Washington state. It's like the complete opposite. He's blonde hair, blue eyes, right? I'm Chinese American. And I was like, kind of almost like relieved, like, okay, good. I could just leave my Chinese culture behind me. I, I don't want anything to do with it. But then I realized, you know what? My kids, my boys, I don't want them to grow up with the shame I did, which was not having a story. So I said, okay, I'm going to go back. I'm going to try to find my father. And God is really, really amazing because I thought I was doing it for my kids. Mm-hmm. But actually, God wanted to do it for me. Yeah. The little girl in me needed to know where my father was. Yeah. So this book, Sweet Like Jasmine, Finding Identity in a Culture of Loneliness, is the book I just released last year. And it became the number one Christian biography when it released on Amazon. The reason I share this is because I have hidden my Chinese cultural identity up until now. And I'm not afraid to say I'm 50 years old. Mm -hmm. So I hid that from myself because I was just living this life that looked like a cookie cutter. And Mm -hmm. I thought it was good for my children. Like the less I know about my dysfunctional family of origin, the better off they are. And God was saying, no, no. Mm-hmm. Brokenness yeah. is beautiful to me. And it yeah. is what your children need. Your boys need to know their place in the world. Mm, so their legacy of faith is not based on your perfect past, Bonnie. Your legacy of faith is based on who loves you. And that's me. You are my adopted daughter. Yep. So I think for all moms that are listening, you know, for those of us who have a past, 
God is saying that past is going to show your boys how much I really love you. Yes. Beautiful. And how are my boys going to know that God is love if they don't see how, you know, God helps me as a Mm -hmm. woman? Right. Right. And so is there a certain time that you started talking to your boys about this? Was it before or after your journey to, uh, kind of find out more about your past? Well, it's interesting. I never really had the desire or need to tell them about my past, the parts that I felt God already like walked through with me. Like I felt I already like survived it and I got through it. Why do I want to go back and relive it? And why do I want to share these things that were shameful to me with my kids? Um, But it wasn't until I actually went through that journey of healing and revisiting my stories and finding my father, I realized, okay, God actually has something to show me about my true worth. And so once that happened, I realized that's what I need to share with my children. So I went like, once, once I hear from God, I'm actually pretty bold. So I went from zero sharing nothing with them to last year in the pandemic. I finished the manuscript in 2021. Um, I shared the story, the hardest story in this book in sweet, like Jasmine finding spiritual white space. I shared the story of the date rape in college Mm -hmm. with your boys. Because that's the one I feared the most. Yeah. Yeah. Because how, how did that go? How did you even know? And, and I'm thinking, you know, whatever people's background is, most of us have some hard stories that we would prefer to never have to tell our children. Yes. Can you tell us how did you approach it? Like, was this something you thought through? You had a plan? How did you approach this with your children? And and is there a time you think is the right time? Was Was 12 a good age? There's some things about my life that I waited until each of my boys were, um, it was actually so far two of my four boys I've shared some things with and I waited until we were somehow, I I didn't plan it this way, but we were on a college tour in California. So it was just the two of us in a car and I felt like, okay, they're 18. This is my time to really open up some things. Now, obviously you're, you wrote a book, it's out there. So it's probably pretty important that, that there's not something in a book that they don't know. So it makes sense that you would share at a younger age, but was 12 a good age to do that? Give us some advice from your experience. Yeah, I think that my experience is that um, I my kids go to public school. And so that was an intentional decision, my husband and I, because I come from kind of a missional mindset background. Mm-hmm. And I also grew up in a below the poverty line. It, you know, like, let's put it this way. I grew up with sweet smarts, okay? Mm-hmm. And an imperfect, heard everything under the sun before I was supposed to. And yet God was the one I met when I was seven years old. He, his power, his love, his word, um, his grace, his beauty allowed me to connect with people in all types. So I see it as a positive. So I want my kids to go to public school because I want them, this is again, just our own personal decision. Everyone's unique. I want them to be a light. I would tell my boys, mom and dad have a, um, a choice when this is five years old, I sat them down each of them at five, I said, mom and dad have the opportunity to send you to, um, you know, a private Christian school, because a lot of people in our church do do that. Um, Or we can send you to public school. And we want to share with you why you're going to go to public school. We want you to be a light. This is an opportunity because we live in Silicon Valley. I said, most people don't go to church here. So you may be the only time someone's going to meet somebody that knows Jesus. Mm -hmm. So 
we want you to go to school. We're going to tell you, you're going to learn a lot about what other people uh, believe. And so I, 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 I don't, my mindset is I want them to know the people that Jesus loves and you're going to learn more. We're going to learn together. So that's kind of the mindset they've had since they were little. So when it came to sex education, I, uh, at the 12 year mark and as a fifth grader, I did pull them out. I said, they're going to tell you about sex. And so they're going to tell you from the world's point of view. And so we want to just share with you, you know, uh, God's point of view. That's why we're pulling you out. So in that context, I actually feel 11 and 12 as um, first stepping stone to being honest about mm. the topic of sex. And you mm. would know your child. I think that for me, the 12 year was not too young. I didn't know that until I told the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so what I did was I sat them right. down and I, because first of all, you have to know, they have to understand what sex is. I guess that's why I say, you know, when you pull them out. But I sat them down and I said, um, there's some really hard stories in here about mom as a woman. You know me as mom, but I I actually, you know, I'm a woman before Mm -hmm. I met, you know, became a mom. So I don't know how comfortable you are reading this book. So I'm going to share the hardest story in this book Mm. with you about myself. Awesome. Awesome. So I prepared them. Now, if you don't feel comfortable, I won't tell you any more stories. You can wait till you're older. Yeah. But um. I said, I'm going to share with you the hardest one because I don't know what you're going to think about me. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing I learned in my own healing journey about emotional health is that we need to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody in my life growing up, they don't want honesty. I, mm-hmm. you know, I would get in trouble if I was honest. So yeah. this was me learning to be honest. So I applied it to my children and my parenting. Wow. Um, when I asked my therapist, he specialized in PTSD, um, I asked him, I said, well, what if I traumatize my children if I tell them these stories? He said, it won't traumatize them because you're telling them out of love and it's not happening to them. Exactly. Or to you right now. It's not current. It's, it's you're in a healthy place now telling something that God has walked with you through. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You're going to tell right. them what God showed you in yes. it. So um, I told them about the date rape. I told them that it was a Bible study leader that I had known for a year. I told them I didn't have any boyfriends in high school because I was busy trying to get good grades and focus on, you know, getting myself out of the bad neighborhood. And I said, I shared the story that was in the book. We won't go into detail, but it was, you know, I I wrote this book in a narrative, you know, like it's a Mm -hmm. fiction book, meaning with lots of drama, good storytelling. And that's Mm -hmm. one of my first principles for me in raising my boys from youth ministry, kids love a good story. Yep, they do. So we all do. Ever, exactly. Yeah. So before yes. I ever, you know, give a principle or teach, I always tell a story. Yeah. And I connect it to myself. So anyhow, so I was telling them about how he, this date I was on, it was my first day, how excited I was. And I just needed to, he wanted to go, you know, check his mail at his home. Can we stop by? I said, yes. And I said, that's when it happened when mm. he, he sat next to me on the sofa he started kissing me and I was very specific on that end. I said, he started kissing me and then I was surprised. It was a first kiss on a first date, but then it went farther than that and I couldn't fight him off. And he raped me. Mm-hmm. I didn't give details, you know, as to how it happened. Mm-hmm. They, they understood the word already because I talked yeah. about it in right. sex education. 
And I was so scared. I've never been scared ever mm. before in my life. I was crying because I was wondering, what are my boys going to think? Are they going to be ashamed of me? Yeah, right. You know, like, what are they think of their mom? Are they going to be like, mom, I wish you didn't tell me this about yeah. you. Yeah. Why did you tell me this? That is what I believe like 99.99%. Mm. They're going to say, mom, why did you tell me this? TMI, you know. Right, right. Now, you know, like my, my image is going to be shattered, mm. but instead my oldest, my youngest son, he's more the extrovert. My youngest son, mm-hmm. he came over to me, he hugged me, he said, mom, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Why didn't you tell us this? Mm. That's terrible. I hate that guy. <laughs> you know, Yeah, yeah. my older son, he's an introvert and he just sat there and I was so scared. Um, you know, what he thought. So because he's an introvert, I said, Hey, Josh, Mm -hmm. I said, you need to tell me what you're thinking. It's okay. If you're not happy knowing this, but you need to use your words. You need to share with me. And he said, no, mom, I, I'm just amazed that you can be so honest. And he said, I'm so proud of you. Mm -hmm. He said, a lot of people are, you're going to help so many people. And he said, yeah, because at school, they talk a lot about Me Too. Mom, did you know about the Me Too movement? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, like, it just became this conversation where, yeah, he started telling me. Of course, I know about the Me Too, but, you know, as a parent. You must have been so relieved. Right. I know. Yeah. So I said, wow. Yeah. I said, well, now you understand more. Mm -hmm. I said, that's why it's so important that you find a loving person and um, I guess goes into boy parenting. I said, it's really important that you find a loving person as your wife, someone that you can be honest with. I said, that's why I married dad. He's a very loving person and I don't have to hide any of my secrets with. And now as my sons, you also are part of this loving relationship. Yep. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying this conversation and I want to pause real quick to tell you the good news that the Perfectly Imperfect Christian Parenting Digital Event is coming up again on April 8th and it's going to be such a good one. I know many of you have been a part of past digital events um, every fall and every spring for the last couple of years. Christian Parenting have put these on and I'm going to be in there this spring talking about you guessed it, raising kids of character. I've got a short message that is super fun. I've had a great time putting it together, but I am alongside some really special people. Keynote speakers, Bob Goff, talking about living undistracted. You're also going to hear from people like Elizabeth Hasselback, Jonathan Pitts, Jeannie Cunyon, uh, Heather McFadden, and many more talking about things like parenting through grief, loss, and suffering, parenting as an act of worship, processing emotional and mental health and how prayer can change your family. These are so good. Now here's the deal. The event is on April 8th, but once you get your tickets, you have to the end of 2022 to catch all of the uh, messages. So you can spread them out, listen all at once or take your time. And until March 16th, there are early bird tickets. So don't miss those. Be sure to go over to show notes and I will have a link where you can get an early bird ticket. Now there's a link to show notes just below this podcast, wherever you listen, go over, grab your early bird ticket. I believe it's half price or close to half price. So don't put this off. You're going to love this event. I cannot wait to learn from all the speakers and I'm excited to be a part of it myself. So now let's get back to this conversation. 
you you handled it really well and their response I understand how you were afraid but I'm not surprised because they've watched you they've seen your life and to be able to hear that in a safe place I think that's just such a great example to those of us who have some hard things and and some of your hard things too were just introducing your whole story not not just that but but the struggles you went through uh, understanding God's love because of what you went through growing up. And really, this this all comes back to the, that topic of identity. You already touched on it, but really learning because of your you know cultural background. Maybe you can walk us through that a little bit. I know that I've got listeners in many countries around the world, and there's a lot of people with hard stories, yes, but also with you know journeys that are difficult to really walk your kids through, but also now you've got kids who are growing up with their own cultural background. Tell us how, how that's looked for you and maybe for them currently, if there's areas that you have to help them through as they're growing up in the public school system and all that. Well, I think it's, it's very um, complex, but everyone has kind of their own journey. I think that's the emphasis is that each of us as God's adopted daughters we're adopted from our culture as well as the world and I think that that. when we go into God's family his family has no culture his culture is grace his culture is forgiveness his culture is peace and joy so as we make peace with our past those little pieces whether it's you know an abortion it's date rape it's infidelity, it's drugs, promiscuity. These things are not shameful to God because in God's story, that's how he loved us. So I told my kids, that's why when you meet a a woman in the future, she may have things in her past. It doesn't disqualify her from being your future wife. I told them that. I said, because God, this is how God is powerful in the world is because we're not any different from people in the world in terms of our experiences. But what's going to make us different is that we love deeper. We provide a safe place for each person. So God may call you to love um, a woman of any experience and you yourself will be going through some experiences in life and you need to know that God loves you unconditionally. So that's why I'm sharing this story with you. And so in terms of the culture, I, I, it was very difficult for me to share parts of my story because I didn't want to bring shame to my Chinese culture, which is their heritage. Sure. Because in my Chinese culture, there's a lot of emphasis on whether you're a boy or you're a girl. Yeah. There's an emphasis on, are you educated? Are you not? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like the, you know, perfect Asian, you know, the, the myth of the perfect Asians. And so like, I, I almost didn't want to touch on those things, but yet I think that when I found healing, I worked through those issues, then I can talk to my children about it. Right. So um, I think the bottom line, I would say the most important guidance I would say for myself as a mom is that I'm a citizen of heaven. So mm-hmm. if there's something in my culture um, or even within my social circles in my church culture that doesn't align with you know being uh, the God's kingdom, what Jesus said, who Jesus says I am, then I'm going to shed the light on it. Whether it's church culture, uh, pop culture, whatever you whatever. know, culture. Yes. Even if it's gender, um, yeah. I will. I will share it with my boys. Mm-hmm. And um, the responsibility is that I need to have a personal experience of it. So I'm not a fan 
uh, because I grew up, because I'm sensitive growing up with an uh, emotionally and verbally abusive mom, yeah. I'm not a fan of just telling my boys, this is what you are to do. Sure. Okay. I always connect it with my own story. Okay. Interesting. And then I connect it with God's story. That's word. Yes. There we go. Yeah. Awesome. So before I give God's word, I will connect it with a story. That's do you, do you have an example story. of how you might do that? Okay. For instance, where here in Silicon Valley, um, you know, there's a lot of emphasis on achievement. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, for instance, in my own Chinese culture, uh, again, this is not for every Chinese person. Okay. Mine, as you know, came a very traditional and I would even say backwards because my mom was, you know, chosen out of eight children to marry stranger. So please listeners have that context. It's not applicable to all Chinese Americans, but for me, um, like if you don't go to college, then, you know, you're not going to have a good life. Right. That's like one value, right? Now I want my child to go to college. So how can I equate that to God? You know, so that's an example where I'll say, okay, um, you know, God has a purpose and a plan for your life, but it's not ever going to override your mental health well-being. Because here in um, Palo Alto, California, mm. um, there's a high suicide rate. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Yeah. Yes. So how can I balance that? So I will wow. share with them. I said, you know, I, I felt forced to get good grades because um, my mom would not love me mm-hmm. if I didn't go to college and help the family. Okay. Right. So that example, I'll start with that story. Right. right. I don't want you to ever have that pressure. So, you know, when God says, I have a plan for you, you know, to help you prosper and not to harm you, I said, I read that as it's not good to get good grades at the expense of staying up, you can't sleep, you're worried, you're stressing out, and God forbid you feel like you have no future because you're not going to go to a certain college. So that's an example where I connected yes. with my own story. I share, you know, a passage from the scripture, mm-hmm. and we talk about what does it mean to prosper? What, what is a good life? Let's have a conversation about it. What do you think is a good life? And then we just chat. So that's an example where I do that. Okay. I just love your style. And I think that moms listening, if you've got younger kids, take notes because this is, this is really the foundations of a healthy relationship with your sons. This is what it's all about is, you know, it can be so easy to just give our opinions and state what's right and wrong, yes. or even throw out a Bible verse and then move on. And I think that the harder work and yet the more beautiful process is engaging in conversation, sharing, like you said, your own story, sharing some, some example, sharing God's word, and then asking them, how do you feel about this? Let's process this together. And now you're approachable. And now when they have a question, now when they're wrestling they know that they can go to you. They don't have to go on the internet. They don't have to go to their friends. They don't have to search what the culture is saying. They've got mom who gets it. Mom who's been through some hard stuff. Mom who's not going to be shocked with questions or doubts. So what you're sharing there is just a great, uh, obviously there's no parenting formula. I'm very careful with that one, but it's a great example. It's a model of a healthy relationship. And I love that, you know, you have a 12 year old, but I imagine you've been doing this since you mentioned when they were five, like having these conversations intentionally keeps that door open. And I just think that's really beautiful. 
You know, I, I do feel like that is a biblical principle to lead with vulnerability because Jesus himself, you know, the worst night of his life is when he fell onto the ground. And anybody who's had a panic attack, when you read that passage now where Jesus was so tortured, he didn't want to do something he knew was right because he knew it would hurt him. Yeah. It didn't mean he wouldn't do it. Okay. But it's his human experience. And he fell down to the ground. It said that, and his sweat was like blood. And if you've had, like I said, anxiety or panic attacks, that, that sounds to me like a panic attack, but you know, he didn't have to bring, um, Peter, John and John and James with him. He could have just gone alone to Gethsemane, but he brought these people with him, his friends so that we could hear about it. So I, I, I actually believe that that is a model for parenting and it is, I feel, a, um, it, it gives me a lot of peace because I know that I've withheld nothing from them. Jesus mm-hmm. said, I call you friends because I have shared everything I know about the father. Mm-hmm. And so this is what I do for my kids. I'm going to share everything that my father yes. knows about yes. me yes. and that I've shared with my father. I'm going to share with you. I don't want to leave this earth not sharing the things that I've gone through in the valleys because you and I know our kids are going to go through the valleys or yes. they're going to know someone that's gone through the Absolutely. valleys. Absolutely. Yes. And you we want our boys to be that gentle shepherd mm. voice to someone. Absolutely. Yes. In fact, I've said before that as much as I you know, in our relationship with our kids, usually the the role of the mom is to just ask the kids questions. It's all about the kids. And I know that even with my own parents, it's all about me still. Like there's a lot of talk about me. I'm the child, but I have somewhat intentionally, and I'm also just an extrovert and a talker. But as my boys have grown up, I actually do share with them things that I'm doing, my, my work life, um, a project I'm doing. And I think that though it probably wasn't always intentional, it was just me being a talker, I have seen that it has made them more thoughtful and sensitive. So when I get a text message from my sons in college, they'll, you know, or a phone call, it's still 80% about them, their classes, their friends and all that. But they're always thoughtful to say, how about you, mom? What are you working on right now? And I love that because I just think that that's going to, again, um, spill over into hopefully their adult life, their roommates, when they get married, just having that thoughtfulness instead of a selfishness. And, um, and I think when it comes to your own experiences, you, you've done such a great job. Well, there's so much you and I could talk about. And I love your heart. I I love your writing. Truly people, um, in this book, Sweet Like Jasmine, I I love how you wrote this. I, I felt like I was in um, all the places that you went. You walk us through Chinatown, everything from the bookstore to the noodle shop, the way you describe the sights and the tastes and the sounds. I'm not kidding. Everyone's going to want to go to Chinatown and just have that experience because it was so, so well done. Um, but before we go, because I forget half the time. I would love to throw out my boy mom questions for you that I'd like to wrap up my interviews with. Is that all right? Are you ready to tackle those? I'm ready. Okay. First question. And someday I'm going to tally all these and have a list because they're so good. Is there a boy mom essential that you can't imagine raising your boys without? Anything goes. Okay. I, I, this was easy for me, which is nature hiking. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yes. 
it, it was, ever since they were little, even in the stroller, even for like 10, 15 minutes, we'll like go on the path mm-hmm. and we'll get out there. And then as they get older, we increase it a little bit more because when we're outside hiking, you're spending all this time <laughs> on the trail. There's no cell phone, nothing. Absolutely. And yeah. And it's just Perfect. a great time for us to just hang out. So I would it say is. hiking. Yes. That's is. a great one. And we kind of touched on it earlier that boys like to do things, but I do think that shoulder to shoulder is the best time to talk to boys, whether you're walking or working or driving shoulder to shoulder. They're not so into the eye contact, but they'll open up a lot more when you're on that hike, right? Absolutely. I love that shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. If you just look at them, that that might be what, why are you looking at me, mom? What, what is it? You know, (laughs) if you're doing something together, whatever that is and you know, Exactly. That's when they start talking. And it is. It's not even in that moment. I know. It's like maybe like, you know, I mean, I I like to play soccer. So when they were little, we would, you know, kick the ball a little bit and then, but then they'll talk later as we drive back home. Mm. Right. It's so good. I love that. Okay. Second question. Is there a time you can remember your boys did or said something or dragged something in the house that made you realize that you indeed are a hashtag boy mom? (laughs) Yes. Well, because I love to play soccer, it's like those little turf pebbles that are just all over the house everywhere. Uh That's the thing I thought of that first came up. But the one experience I knew I had a boy mom was, you know, when they were little, um, I think he was maybe four or five. I just needed a few minutes. You know what I mean? Those few minutes Uh to get yourself together. So um, I just, and where we played outside, we did everything, but I was just like so exhausted. So I said, Hey, why don't um, I let you play with the shower head in the bathtub? (laughs) You could just spray your bath toys. You know what I mean? I I know it's just a yeah. Sign of you gotta do something. Yes, exactly. So I'm like, here, just go there. I'll let you, you know, play with this shower head wand. Oh, you know, yeah. and then I'm just like, oh my gosh. I, okay, yeah, I know. So then I have I went a bad feeling. I, I know. I went to go like, oh, just like sit down. I mean, just even just literally sit down on the couch, and then um, you know, okay, it's been ten minutes. I'm gonna go now up there. And- <laughs> I go up there and he's spraying the water in the toilet. Oh, <laughs> from the bathtub, he was shooting, like, see how far the water would go, went oh, all the way through it. the toilet and he was shooting it in and he's Perfect. like, look mom. And then it oh, was just the toilet was overflowing of and course. we flooded of our course. upstairs. Oh my goodness. Here yes. you just wanted a little break. <laughs> I know. And I thought I was like being a cool mom by letting him play with the, you know, shower head yeah. wand. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you live to, to regret you know, it. Play a carnival game. Make a carnival I love that. Want a toilet. That is so fun. Okay. And then as we close, is there a piece of wisdom or advice that you might think back to when Bonnie was a brand new mom and something now that you've had a few years under your belt, uh, something you would say to a younger self and maybe to some of the younger moms listening? Well, I'll tell a very quick story, which is I wish that younger Bonnie knew that when she started experiencing panic attacks and anxiety, that it didn't mean that your faith is flawed. Mm. It doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you're messed up. It doesn't mean you're broken. It actually means that you're worth taking care of. Mm. You're worth it. Um, you've never heard this before in your life. You've heard that you need to perform. You need to take care of others. You need to be cheerful. You need to be helpful. You need to do uh, whatever it takes to get through the day. And I would like to say to you, little Bonnie, young mom, and to all the moms out there, this isn't true. You're worth it. You're worth the love. You're worth taking care of. And you need to put yourself in first 
priority, not Mm -hmm. last, because God doesn't put you in last priority. And um, I think the most important thing I learned as a young mom when I was having anxiety and panic attacks is what my um, PTSD expert told me, because I said, I'm in a loving relationship with my husband and I have two beautiful children. I don't, I don't know why this is happening. I feel so ashamed. He said, no, this is happening because you're in a safe place. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, when a soldier's out in the battlefield, he's being resourceful and fighting and being strong and resilient and helping everybody. A soldier only has panic attacks and PTSD when he comes home. Yeah. It's because you're finally home. And so mm-hmm. he said it happens to moms because they're feeling so maybe happy. They've arrived to this happy time in their life. They just, it's actually when the nervous system relaxes. Mm-hmm. Then all the things that we could not experience earlier in our lives when we were fighting to be strong, when we become moms, we become vulnerable and that's why it surfaces. So to yep. any mom that's listening you know, you're worth taking care of. And this is not something you have to get over. And in fact, it's, it's a sign for you to know that you're worth all the love mm-hmm. that you've ever wanted. Wow. Good word. Thank you, Bonnie, so much for that. Well, if people want to find you and read more of what you have to share, um, where can they track you down right now? Well, I'm on Instagram at mm-hmm. the Bonnie Gray, and I have Breathe as a podcast, breathe the stressless podcast. I'll give a, you know, soul care tip on how to help your body feel better, your emotions feel better, based on what I've learned. And then um, you can sign up for our newsletter at thebonniegray.com. Awesome. We will be putting all those links in the show notes, Bonnie. It has been such a pleasure to talk to you, and I could really. Uh, talk a long time. So I'm sure we'll stay in touch and maybe have you back on. But thank you for your beautiful book. Thank you for your heart and just appreciate your time today. Okay, guys, hope you enjoyed that conversation. And there will be show notes with lots of links and everywhere you can find and follow Bonnie uh, at monicaswanson.com forward slash episode dash 148. I appreciate you being a part of this podcast community. If you haven't left a rating or review yet, that would bless me so much. I read everyone. They are such an encouragement. And they also are how um, word gets out about this podcast. The more ratings and reviews there are, the more people can find the Boy Mom podcast. So spread the word to your friends. Um, Make sure you're subscribing if you haven't and just love having you here. So say hi if you're over on social media. Find me on Instagram, especially at Monica Swanson underscore. Say hi. Tell me you listen to the podcast. I love to get to know you over there. You guys have a wonderful rest of your week. And until next time, aloha. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.